Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, right in a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post on- What up? What's going on, man? Not much. What's up with you? Not much. Uh, uh, today was a very good, good day. Uh, I... Got my full vaccination on, got my last shot on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and uh, I went and visited my grandparents today. So that okay. was really cool. I got to hug my grandmother because I just haven't seen them all year. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't feel safe going to visit them. So it was very nice to see them, mm-hmm. and uh, that was really cool. And uh, uh, yeah, man, uh, uh, my my grandfather, so it's official. I don't know. I think I brought this up on this podcast before, but I thought my grandfather had like dementia, yeah, for the past couple of years. But now it's like he's officially been diagnosed, or like the doctor has said it, yeah. So, but it was actually kind of like when I went and visited her today and got the updates and everything. It was actually kind of freeing to know that there's a fish like that's really that's the case, mm-hmm. um, because now you. I just feel a little more comfortable playing along. Mm-hmm. Like before I just, I was, I kept trying to analyze. I'm like, he told me this story before. Like, yeah. is he all right? But now I know it. So today when she told me that, and it was like official, my dad told me the same thing. I saw both, I saw my dad and I saw my grandparents today. Mm-hmm. And they both, they both told my grandmother and my dad told me the same thing. One said dementia, one said uh, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I don't know which one it is, but it's one of the two. Yeah. Um, and when they told me that, I was like, it, I got a new. You ever seen Fifty First Dates? No. Fifty First Dates is uh, Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. and Adam Sandler. They live in Hawaii, and he meets this girl, and he goes crazy. She, she's beautiful, and whatever, and they hook up, and whatever. And then the next day, they wake. They wake up, mm-hmm. and she doesn't remember who he is, and she got a head injury at some point, and her family just. Every day they they do the same day. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like that. That's yeah. what to and to me going forward, knowing that that's what it is. I can go when he goes. Oh man, did I tell you I retired? He retired 
15 years ago. Yeah. You know, so when he goes into the whole thing, mm-hmm. instead of me being like, oh, man, this dude doesn't even, it's like, he doesn't know what's going on. So, like, yeah, what? Oh, that's crazy. Congratulations, man. You deserve it. You earned yeah. it, man. It's like, it's this freedom that I've gotten from just letting God. Like, you just got to let God in that situation. Like, it's nothing I can do. I can't fix his brain or, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, so if he wants to tell me about he ret- him retiring or something that I know happened five years ago, but he's saying yesterday, but it's like, oh, okay, cool. Just play along. Like, it's just you just play along. Yeah. Puts a smile on his face. We laugh. He's telling a funny story. Even if I heard it before, it's funny. Yeah. You know, and, and so in in that, get, getting that information and receiving that and, and taking it in, it, like, freed me in this really cool way where it's like, well, we're just going to make the best out of this thing, man. We're just going to have fun, yeah. going, you know, and just keep it light and just have a blast while we're here, you know. So um, that was a really cool experience. That was fun. And, uh, yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, how was uh, how's your weekend going? Dealing with these crazy customers, man. People um, waiting for stuff. People, you know, people have medicine come through the mail. People got checks. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a mess right now. And we're doing the best that we can. So people out there just... You know, show some grace to your local post, to your, post yeah. people, man. You know, it's, it's, They're it's, giving it's you what right they have. Now. Yeah, it's tough right now. They don't have secretly mail and and they're not giving it to you. Yeah, they're they're stressed out, too. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have it. Yep. You don't need to be pressing your <laughs> your post person. Yeah, because they have this. They have this uh, the site now you can go to. You can get these emails where it goes. Just know, giving you updates and stuff. You updates on, but is that inaccurate? It, well, it, it goes. You're supposed to get in this this day, right? I don't know if I told you this, but you're supposed to be getting this on this day. And it's like, that can range from one to four days. Sure. So when people see that on a Tuesday, they go, hey, I was supposed to get this. And it's like, no, that's not always accurate. There's, there's a grace period. It's, exactly. Now we're behind. Yeah. So oh. people are like, oh, I was supposed to get this. And, I'm, and it's fucking next Monday. And I'm like, look, we behind. <laughs> I don't know. We behind. So that shit, you can't. It's coming. Yeah. It just ain't. You ain't getting it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I can tell it's you. either at corporate or say it's not. We haven't got. I don't it have years. it. <laughs> Wherever it's at, I don't have it. That's all I tell. Them. I don't. I don't know where it is. I don't have it. Yeah. But other than that, just you know, say uh, say something nice to the mail carrier. Yeah, it's, it's, it's stressful for everybody. Yeah, I understand yeah. people got money and stuff coming through the mail, but the one the person who doesn't have any control over that is the person putting your mail in the mailbox. Yes. That's the person who has the least control over that at all. <laughs> yes, we yeah. at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, all we do is deliver. <laughs> what they, don't shoot the messenger. That's all, that's all I, try. I don't know what else to tell y'all. That's it. Uh, but anyway, friend, moving on to some really uh, eerie news that continues to uh, ramp up. This alien talk is getting real out here, man. Again, I'm not on social media, so I don't know what the hell you're talking about. The U.S. government is just coming out straight up and being like... Like they're UFOs? Yes, yeah, the UFOs out there. It's like uh, mm-hmm. we have programs and they've visited us. Like they're being they open. What do you mean they visit? Like they're being they... open about it, bro. They're talking about the ships coming. We've caught ships on camera. Like all the stuff that we, that people have dismissed or the government would say that's bullshit. They're just saying like, oh yeah, no, this whole time that was true. And we've been lying. Why can't they time. catch one of them? Because they're thousands of light years and more advanced than us and they probably are our parents. And, uh, you know, so... They can, they can, they can, they can do something. I'm telling you, bro. Listen, I think that I think that we have reached the final frontier. I think that alien contact is imminent, and so they're just trying to get ahead of it by letting us know what to expect. Like what? We I don't know. Visitation, abduction. I feel like that's nuts. After them coming out, the United States government just coming out and being like, "Yeah, man, my bad. Where we were lying. The aliens are kind of real." Well, nobody that, was like. Then who who believed that though? 
even if you didn't believe it, that's the official story, right? So yeah. the official story is what's going to kind of take the take precedence, right? But that may when you come out and say, "Oh yeah, we have task forces and a lot of those videos are real and there are UFOs." You go, "Okay, well maybe this guy on YouTube saying that he got abducted by aliens, maybe he's not crazy." It just throws everything into question. Like it just what's what's true, what's not true, who's bullshitting, who isn't bullshitting, who are the are do, are aliens these gray people? Like they look at these little gray people with big eyes. And my belief you know, my conspiratorial belief is that humans have made too many advances in the last like 150s or so years. Yeah. And I think that at some point during the timeline, whether when it was when we were um, lower level hominids, when we were, you know, uh, more um, cavemen, mm-hmm. I don't, there's a proper term for it, but when we were in that quote unquote cavemen time, I think some aliens came down here. And spliced us up with some of their shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what changed us up. We started walking more upright. Our brain power changed. Because I was thinking about this shit the other day, man. I was watching, there's this uh, show on uh, Netflix called, uh, like, Nate, Colors in Nature. Mm-hmm. Like, it just is like, they use these cameras and they show you all the vibe. They, like, more make colors and, like, macaws and all the different type of birds and flamingos. Mm-hmm. They just brighten up all the colors and they tell you all their mating rituals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And... You can still see some remnants of that stuff in humans, right? You know, like when you go to the club and if you can really dance or maybe you could do the salsa, mm-hmm. you can impress a girl with your salsa dance moves or mm-hmm. maybe you put on some fly clothes and that's you, you know, showing off your style to impress women. Like there are some primal type of things that human beings still do, but there's not, but it's not straight up like me and you were talking, a cute girl walks by and I'm like, yeah, man, so the game was great. Hold up, bro. And I just start doing a dance like right <laughs> there on the side of the, on the sidewalk. Like, like you trying to mate? Yeah, I'm trying to do some mating dance. Like, yeah, yeah. So we've really, we're so different than anything that lives on this planet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sharks do X, birds do Y, mammals do this. Like everything does a thing in order to survive. And people are just like, well, I just want to be a DJ or I, you know, I rap or, you know, uh. You know, do you ever you ever done you know uh, ultimate frisbee golf? Like it's just like humans are. Uh, we've we've gotten to such a level on the food chain that we have no prime pri, uh, no uh, predators above us. So we just do whatever the fuck we want to. Yeah, and we have no animalistic instinct. Mm-hmm. You know, we fight and do shit like you know we do some shit that's still rem, reminiscent of animal shit. But it's we are we are the aliens. Yeah, is what I'm trying to get to. I think that you know something something came down hit us off with some next level shit from another place that heightened us up and they come in and check they on us from check. time. Yeah. They come in and check on us from time to time. Now what is, okay. And now it's just getting more frequent. So there is the, um, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but there is the, okay. You have the out, out of space, right? So uh-huh. you have the galaxy, right? The galaxy. Okay. Yes. So what's following you? Is it something else other than the galaxy? There's many galaxies. There's infinite galaxies. Okay. The galaxies. Okay. Great. So we are in the Milky way galaxy. I think also Milky ways are trash. That they are like, what's the point? It's like an unfinished candy bar. I don't. Understand. It's like do add the peanuts or do add some. It other reminds stuff. me of like um. It's like a Three Musketeers. It's like a chicken nugget. It's like a chicken nugget. You know how chicken nuggets are. Oh, you're no, talking no, about no. the galaxy. No, I'm talking about this. You know Milky Way. Okay, okay, okay. I'm following. Okay, so you know how Milky Way is like a chicken nugget. It's like a chicken nugget. Okay, so, so is it a chicken nugget? I don't know. What's what's no? What's um? What is something we eat that is just leftovers? Oh, chicken nuggets are left over. They take all of the extra part, other parts of the that's chicken exactly and just put it up and fry that, it. That's exactly Yeah, they take, like, here's some caramel from a, a Snickers bar, and here's some nougat from, 
you know, a baby Ruth. Yep. And, and he just made it put in it his Milky yeah, Way. And put it, put it in a whatever, a Kit I Kat think shell. I think it's pointless. Yeah. But anywho, I think there's another us, meaning sure. like Earth thing. Yeah, okay. And another, like. You're getting into multiverse theory. Galaxy okay. somewhere. But like they're, a, another but, you. But they're way, they're like. You work at way, UPS. They're way ahead of us. Oh, you like know, way more advanced. Like not even, they not don't even, even do jobs, quote unquote. Anymore. Like where, we're, like where Flo- we're at now, they were this like 500 mm. years ago. Do you think that's who's coming to visit us? Possibly. Because mm. mm. they, I mean, the UFOs are like uh, fucking, what, did it, what are they shaped like? Um, saucers or something? That's what they say. Well, the, know, the, the coolest part about uh, uh, UFOs is the, they bend light and, and, and space around them in theory. Like the, in order to move the way that a UFO moves, when, like when you watch these videos of UFOs, if you look on the, look them up, yeah. that's why they've been saying it's not true all these years, because if that's true, what they show you, then our periodic tables are wrong. All our science is wrong because we've been taught that, you know, like you can only move this way, that way, whatever. Like that's yeah. how you can move. And these spaceships can go from standing still to a thousand miles an hour in a second. Yeah. They do things that are like, Oh, this is way more. Nothing that we have, even our best jets. Whatever, none yeah. of our best shit can do this. What if it's like time though? What if it's like what if they did try to pursue one of the, pursue one of these, and it and it just like does it goes somewhere and it's like that was a thousand years ago. Like to them, it was like this. Whatever you just saw us never happened, or just like it was yeah. just so fast. But even in what you're saying, that's how complicated it is. But that is so. But we're trying to nuts. put it. We're trying to put it into our terms, where it's like maybe they're spying on us, and I was like, these maybe these whatever these things are, maybe even have no concept of like spying, or we might not even mean that much to this. Like spying, spying implies you're trying to learn something. Yeah, I think that it's more like. Uh, the way that the lady at the zoo, when she's like, I'm going to go check on the penguins. That's nuts. It's like man. going to the zoo. That's nuts. I think it's like going to the zoo or they might they might be about to make a move. I don't know. If we're going off of what I'm saying, and I didn't make up this theory, but it's a theory that I've glommed onto and I kind of believe about them splicing their DNA with um, lower level primate, mm-hmm. primates and leveling us up. That's why people always go, like the people who are creationists, like yeah. people that think that, you know, Jesus made everything and all that stuff, mm-hmm. they go, well, if humans came from monkeys, how come it's still monkeys? There is a missing key. But right? the similarities are uh, crazy, though. Bro, there's a video I showed Sierra. This video is a few years old, but I showed Sierra recently, and then she showed her mom, and they're crying and stuff. There's a video of um, um, some scientists. You know how they get the footage of animals mm-hmm. doing their animal, st- animal stuff, like yeah. in their natural habitat? They took a monkey doll mm-hmm. and put a camera in it yeah, and put it in a tree. Yeah. The monkey doll falls out of the tree mm-hmm. and just hits the ground, and it's a doll. Yeah. All the monkeys are, oh, my God. Like, all the monkeys. It's like 100 monkeys. They they picked the, the monkey up. The facial expressions crazy. They picked man. the monkey up, put it on a rock. They yeah. had a wake for the monkey. It's a doll, bro. Yeah. But they think it's a dead baby monkey. Yeah. They all cry. They're hugging each other. Oh, my God. It's mom, crazy. He died. Like, they have emotion. They have the same kind of just facial gestures we do a lot of the same stuff there's a lot of similarities we're, we're yeah. primate we're primates the way that monkeys are, and apes are primates the one I but that's just gr- our brain took a leap yeah i seen a gorilla when we went to the dc zoo and you know how everybody when they start like moving and they're doing funny shit everybody makes up making yeah. noises and he started he she started feeding off everybody oh, he's getting hyped like, up oh and then he just started going crazy <laughs> he was chilling now he like doing this oh he's showing up <laughs> fucking doing facial exp- it was crazy you could tell that he was feeding he was off all the energy up. he was getting hyped and i was yeah. like and just seeing that you go that's crazy he's a ham that's, that's, that's crazy. the same it's similar yeah that's what people do yeah man they might drop by 
That's what I'm saying, man. We Where just, just don't come know. and go. You know what? A. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> just check. Just coming in and check on our experiment. You know, we, it's been a while. We haven't seen y'all since we yeah. gave y'all fire. <laughs> now look at y'all. Y'all barbecuing with the fire and everything. It's crazy. Look, look how much y'all came along. Yeah. Maybe y'all get y'all one of these someday. Quick, quick. Put, hit the alarm oh on this little goodness. flying saucer thing. Hit the button. It turns invisible. Yeah. Just I, doing shit. You know, it's like. Y'all get y'all will get there someday. Quantum physics, yeah. you know. Keep keep on uh, digging under those trees. You'll I figure mad, it out. I imagine the the inside of the ship like Star Trek. Remember Star Trek used to come on. But my whole point is like, <laughs> bro, that's your human brain. Yeah. We probably can't even. Fa- I think that the closest thing I've ever seen to how in like unfathomable it is alien life in another planet is because yeah. you know you see another. You're like, you really think that fucking Superman? You think that another? A- Aliens, you think alien planets are like, well, they look just like us, but they just, when they come here, they're strong. It's like, you think that aliens on another planet look just like us, got no. nipples in the same spot, no. got fucking faux hawk haircuts, and they, you think they have dicks? Like, no. the same kind of dick? You think <laughs> your dick looks like an alien dick? Come on, bro. You th- you're telling me Superman, look, is just a human? He can't be how he's an alien, yeah. <laughs> but his planet is full of just humans. Yeah, nah, bro, he doesn't got a dick or something. There's something under that suit. His butt, he doesn't have a butt crack. It's, it's something. There's no way Superman is just like us. But that's what humans do. Yeah. Whenever you watch anything, you see movies, other planets. The planets, they look the, the flowers look like lilies, but they're just like they glow in the dark. Like yeah. they look like human planet flowers, but they it's just oh, but we changed the color hue on them. The closest thing I've seen, there's a movie called Arrival mm-hmm. with Amy Adams. It's a fantastic movie. And I think that's the closest. I mean, the ship the ship didn't have any buttons. It was just like a screen. They were behind a screen like it was a zoo. The The aliens looked like smoke. Like, it was just, it was just <laughs> oh, the, the ship was, they, they communicated with, oh, it was just, you got to watch Arrival, bro. Mm. Off, off of this conversation, when you when, when we break up and we finish the um, podcast, I'm gonna make sure I text you to go, yo. When you get a chance, <laughs> watch right. it right. Maybe make it the in flight movie when we when we go to Austin. Maybe watch yeah. it on the plane. It's such a good fucking movie, and it just blows your mind conceptually because it's no like, oh man, look, this is what an alien spaceship looks like. It's like it looks like a um the cockpit of a a a, a jet, but like more advanced. It's like no, bro. It's a whole different. I don't even think we can conceptualize what their shit looks like. Mm-hmm. If this is if this is real. Which the government is telling us there are unidentified flying objects flying into our orbit. That's what the that's what the government's telling us. Yeah. So whatever these machines are, I don't think we can conceptualize what they look like on the inside. It's Ain't not it. like, oh, a red button and a green button, and red means stop, green means go. All these things that we think yeah. of in our terms, whole different thing. They need to find a way to get a closer look, man. They might even just like see. it might just be like you go on the ship, it's like a like a, a bowl of jello, and you just stick your hand in the jello. Stick your hand in there, and they like reads your DNA, and then you can drive. You think you think the drive with your brain, you you drive it. It's they like, probably won't even let you get a close look. They probably everybody's going invisible. No, I'm t- yo the, the, the <laughs> ship can go from just not moving to just gone. It just go right up in the air, like shit that no, no <laughs> nothing can do. You know, when, like when when there are like there are jets, like Black Hawk jets and stuff. Yeah, they 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 when they take off, they gotta get some track. And same with a, a, a like a commercial okay. flight. Yeah, yeah, guess you got a runway take off they do have some jets now that can kind of like come up off the ground and just go yeah. and then go that's military shit that's military shit yeah, that's yeah. not just the commercial shit yeah. but even that has to like get some some build up yeah these go from floating looking to just gone, to just gone. yeah from zero to of a thousand miles because they come in and just check like we can't make it hot yeah and once they were like oh i think that 
They probably got technology on their planes, on on planes, on their. I don't even know what to call it. On their ships. ships yeah. That's like I think that we're being caught on camera. Yeah. Like they know Pew, when gone. they know when they're being filmed. Yeah. And they just won't take off. That's crazy. Bro. That's wild. But the fact that the U.S. government is coming out and saying that is big, and I don't know if it means something as far as because when the government tells you something, that just means we can't keep it under wraps anymore. Yeah. Was we, they trying to? What happened, it was the same shit when they was trying to storm it, right? Wasn't that like a whole thing? When they tried to storm, remember, like it was like a year ago, two years ago, when they tried to storm the. Um, oh, they tried to storm Area Fifty One. Area Fifty One, yeah, yeah. Oh, they didn't have to tell us anything. They just said, "If you come," but past I mean, they the probably gate, some, some shit in there, though. I'm just, oh, I, I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure they do. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you look up Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar says he used to work at Area Fifty One. He got, he got killed, right? No, Bob Lazar oh. is just like off the grid. Oh. He, so, so it's the same thing. Yeah, like you, he, <laughs> he, he can't just go to Starbucks. No. no, Bob Lazar can't just like go places. But Bob Lazar said he's seen aliens. He's worked on alien technology. He's talked about yeah. there's a new element. Like there's a there's elements like that are, that are not on our period peri- that are not on our periodic table that are on the, on those machines that like aren't on. They're just new elements. They just like Chris Tucker. Who? In fifth. <laughs> In the fifth element. Yeah. Oh, who? Bob Lazar? Oh, the aliens? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't think they trust. I don't think they dress like Chris Tucker in the fella. <laughs> that's I love, that's just I love that movie. Oh, that's such a good movie. So that's such a fucking crazy fucking fever dream movie. We, we, that took it somewhere else. Like, Sorry, it's a fun movie. But uh, let's uh, let's get into these celebrate <laughs> the, the Fifth Element. That's another one. Aliens, man. That alien was singing yeah, opera. Man. You know, like we just this is just a whole different concept, bro. I don't think we have any real ability to make even a prediction about. What aliens look like, or what they do, what they do, or what their mission is—like we just don't fucking know, bro. We're not meant to know. But uh, let's go ahead and get to these. Uh, let's get into these celebrations, man. Oh yeah, it's time to celebrate, y'all. I want to give a big shout out to everybody who joined our Patreon this week. Much love and appreciation. It's because of people like you that we're able to do the things that we do. Without you, none of this is possible. Up first, we got Hillary. Yeah. Hillary, shout out to you. I think it might be Hillary Clinton, man. I don't know. <laughs> Up next, we got Danielle P. Danielle? Maybe Daniel? I don't know. The image is a fox, so I don't know where your association is. Up next, we got Allie P. Allie P. Is she walking away from an explosion, friend? I don't even fucking know. It's on my mind right now. Shout out to you, Allie P. Up next, we got Samantha K. Girl, you all the way. Uh, last, we got Jesse S. Hey, shout out to you. You are the best and better than all the rest. Not just playing. Everybody on the Patreon is equally great. There's, there's, there's no there's no hierarchy of who's more important than the other one. Shout out to you, Jesse S. And yours, everybody's the best. Shout out to everybody. Uh, that was our Patreon shouts out this week. Thank you to all of you guys very much. Um, we did get on a bit of a rant about aliens and all this kind of stuff. So uh, without any further ado, I'm not going to hold anybody up any further. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. All right, and we are back. Fran, my affirmative murder this week is the story of uh, Barry Lee Fairchild. Okay. My sources were the Encyclopedia of Arkansas.net, Murderpedia.com. Shout out to Murderpedia, always coming through in the clutch, and APnews.com. So shout out to those websites. Those were my sources, and here we go. On February 26, 1983, Arkansas state troopers pursued a car driven by two black males who managed to evade capture after ditching their car and running away. The car was later identified as belonging to Marjorie Greta Mason whose body was found the next day near an abandoned farmhouse in Lenoke County. Mason, a 22-year-old U.S. Air Force nurse, had been raped and shot twice in the head. Six days after the homicide, after the media had reported many details of the case, police received a tip from an unnamed informant, a man described in police files as inaccurate about half the time with a tendency to exaggerate. He named Barry Lee Fairchild and his brother, Robert, as the culprits. Barry, a functionally illiterate, developmentally disabled black man, was reportedly unarmed outside his house and fell on the ground when police surrounded him in Pulaski County. They came to arrest him and his brother. Barry dropped down to his knees and and whatever. And the deputies then released their dogs on him and Fairchild was badly bitten on his neck and head. He required nine stitches to close the gash on his head. Damn. By the dog? By, the, do- by the dog. Oh. Dog bit him up. After uh, treatment at the hospital, Fairchild gave two confessions, the first of which didn't agree with the facts, leading to a second confession that appeared to eliminate the inconsistencies. The trial began in Lenoke County Circuit Court on July 26, 1983, with Circuit Judge Cecil A. Tedder presiding. The case was prosecuted by Chris Raff, while a young attorney named Joe O'Brien was the defense attorney. During his capital murder trial, Fairchild recanted his confession, testifying that when he denied any knowledge of the crime, Sheriff Tommy Robinson and Major Larry Dill beat him and threatened to kill him if he did not confess. Fairchild testified that he was carefully rehearsed by his interrogators before giving his second videotape confession. Sheriff Robinson allegedly hit Barry on the head with the barrel of a shotgun, and Dill kicked him in the stomach repeatedly. He said he had been forcibly prepped for 20 minutes on what to say, and at one point on the videotape that was played in court, the videotape confession, he is asked how many times Mason was raped. He pauses, looks behind the camera, waits with his mouth open, then finally raises two fingers, and then he looks back at the camera and says, two, two times. How can they use this in court and go, like, this I don't is legitimate? Even, I don't even know. <laughs> That's crazy. It would be like, it would be like if, it would be like if you and, uh, you and, uh, you know, they play that game where they put the kid in the middle, yeah. one, and then the parents run both ways, yeah. and then the see kid, where, see who goes in. Yeah. It would be like if you and, Sophie, you and Stephanie had a debate about, like, who does Sophia love more? Mm-hmm. And then you show her a video of being like, who do you love more? And you're like, you love dad, right? You love dad. And she's like, I love dad. Yeah. And you're like, see? 
she loves me more. It's like this is clearly you, you coerced this confession out of her, out of this person. Wow. They're looking away at the camera. Right. They're looking behind. Looking behind the camera, and being like, "You want me to say three, two? two. <laughs> it was two. Yeah, it was two times. What? So that's <laughs> that's what the videotape shows, and the whole court saw it. That's insane. Fairchild's lawyer attempted to show a pattern of abuse by sheriff's office by the sheriff's office by putting on the stand a number of other African-American men who claimed that they too had been interrogated in the days leading up to Fairchild's arrest and that they had been subjected to Sheriff Robinson's abusive tactics as well. At a hearing in August 1990, a series of these witnesses testified that Robinson and his deputies attempted to get them to sign confessions that were already written out, that they had been subjected to violent beatings and that guns had been put on their heads while they were told to confess. They testified that they had seen other suspects beaten and had been subjected to racial epithets. Former Deputy Sheriff Frank Gibson testified that he had witnessed the defendant's brother, Robert, beaten and threatened by Robinson. According to Gibson, the sheriff told his deputies, go on and do what you need to do. I want a confession. So not a confession from a guilty person. I just want somebody to take, I need somebody to say they did this. Yeah. Which gives you, those are two different things. Like, are you looking for a confession or are you looking for the truth? No physical evidence linked Fairchild to Mason's rape or murder. No fingerprints in the car or on her belongings could be matched to his. A hat found near the crime scene and identified as Fairchild's, which I don't even know how that's even. Like you saw a person, you saw him wearing a hat. Like it had to be a very specific hat, I assume. But anyway, the hat was identified as belonging to him, had strands of hair on it, and none of those strands belonged to him. So I don't even know how that's his hat, but whatever. And semen found on the victim's body was consistent with blood type O, while Fairchild was a blood type A. Prosecutors and defense lawyers agree that the only evidence tying Mr. Fairchild to Mr. to Miss Mason's death is the statement to the police which was, to say the least, the subject of controversy at his trial mm. because they show the video of him, his video confession, which was his second confession. The first confession isn't on video, and it's incons- it, it's in the first confession, he's like, yeah, it was me. I don't know the guy's name, but let's just say he was like, yeah, it was me and Lee. We did it. And then they, like, looked up, and the guy Lee was in Chicago. Mm. But I don't know his name. I don't know his name, but right, that, right. that that scenario, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy who he said, I did it with, Cause they're like, it was two people. So you got to say, who'd you do it with? And he's like, it was me and this guy. And that guy wasn't even in the state. And then a whole uh, other things where it was like, we need you to tighten this up. We saw this in the central park five. Yeah. I you know, was yeah, it yeah, like, yeah. it's like, we saw this play out in a, a, a biopic form. How, how old are these guys? Not young. They're not minors. Yeah. No, they're not minors, okay. but the guy's developmentally disabled. Mm. You know, he, he has an IQ of like 65. So, you know, and that... Well, that's what he could take advantage of. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You can take advantage of anybody that doesn't know the law. Me, you, anybody that you would categorize as like, you know, a regular everyday person without any kind of real hurdles. If you don't know the law and a police officer asks you to come down to the... Hey, you know, we just... uh, We know you were at that bar where that shooting was last night. Could you come down and answer some questions for us? And you go like, I'm not guilty. Yeah, sure. And then you get in there and you start answering questions without lawyer presence because you think... You think y'all are just talking. Yeah, 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 And then you say some shit that makes you even more of a suspect without you even knowing, and you didn't do it. And you all along, you don't know, I don't have to do any of this. Yeah. I don't have to, I didn't have to come here. 
I don't have to answer your questions, but a lot of times people just go, well, I didn't do anything. So I look more guilty if I don't like, um, comply, yeah, yeah. but you don't have to do that. And that's not everyday common knowledge, unfortunately. Long shot, bro. Yeah. That document, long shot, this dude went to a baseball game with his fucking family, brought his daughter some Cracker Jacks. You know, they watched the fucking Dodgers play. And now this dude's on trial for murder. I, I still can't get away with that shit. That fast, bro. Oh, they Larry, had to get some Larry, Larry David, David footage from Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was the only, the, the final hour, that's the only thing that saved him. They had him dead to rights, and he didn't do it. They were like, "Yeah, man, with your cell phone pinged here, yeah, you." It was all these coincidences. That's crazy. Well, I dropped my daughter off. She lives around the corner from. That's why. And it's like, well, you were in the area in the time that the murder happened, and your alibi isn't. We can't. We don't know you're at this Dodger game. Yeah. So you, it was you, and luckily Larry David fucking saved his life. That's crazy. That's the kind of home run you need sometimes. No matter how innocent you are, it doesn't matter if you did it or, or didn't. Can you? Pr- what can you prove? So, you know, like I said, uh, this dude, none of his none of his genetic material matches anything at the scene. Uh, it, his second confession was visibly coerced by people. People that watched the video in, in the trial saw, said that mm-hmm. his def, his defense lawyer even mm-hmm. said, like, hey, uh, um, this this is this is a coerced confession. Yeah. And, you know, it, went, it, it fell on if it, it fell on deaf ears. But I'll get to that. So, like I said, all the stuff I just said. But somehow, on August 2nd, 1983, based solely upon his recanted confession, the jury found Fairchild guilty of rape and murder, and Judge Tedder sentenced him to die by lethal injection. Damn. He appealed the verdict at the Arkansas Supreme Court the following year, and the ruling was affirmed. So the Supreme Court was like, nope, still guilty. Wow. Uh, Thereafter followed four separate petitions for habeas corpus. Which for people who don't know habeas corpus is like you can you can file a motion saying that you know uh, your the rights that are guaranteed to you in a in a, in a court setting were violated. You weren't read your Miranda rights. You weren't given um, an adequate public defense. Whatever. Like these are so habeas corpus is just like you didn't you, you didn't do it right. Yeah. So uh, he filed. They filed four four separate petitions on habeas corpus in federal court. In the first petition, Fairchild's attorney asserted that their client had received ineffective assistance of counsel Mm -hmm. at the trial, arguing that his trial lawyers failed to challenge the, um, failed to challenge the the constitutionality of his arrest and that his confession was coerced and therefore unreliable. Mm. The judge denied these claims in 1987. A second petition for habeas corpus argued that Fairchild could not have made a voluntary waiver of his constitutional rights before confessing because of his developmental disability. Because of that, he wouldn't be able to, he, he's not legally able to waive his rights. Mm. That too was denied by a judge in 1989. And then there was another one that um, brought the confession tape into play. Yeah. That was also denied. And then in 1993, with the final habeas corpus, habeas corpus petition, Fairchild finally prevailed. The evidence provided showed in the judge's words that Fairchild was not the one who shot and killed Miss Mason, Mm -hmm. but was an accomplice. Mm. That's what they said. He didn't shoot her and kill her, but he was there. The presiding judge ordered that the death sentence be reversed and that a sentence of life in prison without parole be imposed instead, which is already 
a, it's a step in, in, in the right direction. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he would have probably continued to appeal that as well. So a, a little, a small victory, right? Fairchild's victory, however, was short-lived. In 1994, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, get this shit, this shit is, this shit is crazy. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the decision, ruling that four petitions for habeas corpus constituted an abuse of the writ. What? So, so they, they just were like, you, you, you did, did this too many, many times. times. That's crazy. But they didn't say it's not true. What what you found in that fourth one? They just said four is too many times. That's some bullshit. They pulled out of their ass. It was like for sure. Let's go to the books. We yeah. gotta find something where that's, he can't keep doing it. Absolutely. That's, crazy. that's absolutely what it was. <laughs> he was he was vindicated. That's fucking crazy, man. They said, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like what was the, what was the last time that was used? Yeah, in court. Say, oh, hey, man, <laughs> they had some some crazy like nursery rhyme. Like one, two, three. I can agree, but four, it's no more. And you're like, what? Is <laughs> that was like that's uh Johnson versus the state, nineteen forty two. But the judge said, well, it doesn't matter. Four is, two, four, is, four is no more. That's crazy. The circuit court held that it was too late to make this, to make this argument and that only a showing of actual innocence could overcome this procedural roadblock. So they were like, listen, man, unless you can bring in the guy that did this, we're not reversing your death penalty. You did four. Four was too many. So that's canceled. That judge ruling but, canceled. But they, but they said he wasn't the... The, the guy that killed um, her. The guy that killed her. The judge said that. Okay. But the, the court above that judge overruled him. Shit. So the Court of Appeals reinstated the death sentence. Mm. On August 11th, 1995, the Arkansas Clemency Board failed by one vote to recommend clemency. Their closest, this was their closest vote on record. Three weeks later, Barry Fairchild was executed. Prison spokesman Alan Abels said Fairchild declined a final meal, which is like, Fuck that, man. you know, can't eat, you know, you feel like you've been, you, it was a miscarriage of justice and you want me to eat some onion rings and, oh, you know, damn. lamb chops, fuck out of here, lamb chops, huh, lamb chops are delicious, yeah, but, yeah. but your final meal was like a burger, yeah, I know, and it's and still, still is. <laughs> my bad, yeah, man. <laughs> I knew keep down home, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm keeping it, keeping it. I'm from the mud. I keep it real, even to the end. I respect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the spokesman said Fairchild's lawyer provided him with fifty dollars for commissary in his last days, and about half of it was spent on candy and junk food. So he just was like, "I don't want your last meal. I'm just gonna eat my little snacks. Yeah. Keep to myself. Just That's leave me alone, and then just come get me when it's time to come get me." Oh man, I couldn't even. You hear those footsteps. You're sitting in that in that cell, and you hear and you know it's the day. And you hear those keys jingling. And you know they're coming to your cell to come get you. I can't even imagine what that. That's feels. worse than like dying unexpectedly. I think. Oh, a thousand times worse. It's that. It's <laughs> it's the real life version of that riddle. Like if you if, if if there was a woman with a crystal ball walked up to you and was like, "I can tell you the date and the time that you're gonna die." Yeah. It's like, would you want to know that? I'm like, I'm I'm like, no, absolutely not. God, no, I wouldn't want to know that. And then some people go. Well, yeah, but then you can you can live your life to the fullest, nah. and it's like, no, nah, man, because I would Cause you, I wouldn't be able to enjoy any of that nah. stuff because that's always in the back of my mind, and it's getting closer and closer. Exactly, it's nah. a countdown. Now that's even worse because you can't even go do all the fun shit. You're yeah. in jail. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what that's like. Your your date to die is circled on the calendar. <sighs> I get alerts on my calendar like, hey, make sure you work out today. Yeah. That's what my calendar says. I couldn't imagine it being like, you're gonna die. You know, you're gonna die in a month. Yeah. 
So no posthumous efforts to exonerate him have ever been undertaken. In 1984, the year following Fairchild's conviction, Sheriff Robinson was elected as a U.S. representative for Arkansas's second, congre- second congressional district. So this guy got exposed in court as an abusive sheriff who possibly coerced countless confessions because, you know, this wasn't the first one that he yeah. did. We didn't just all of a sudden try some new shit on Barry. This is what this guy does. So he got exposed in court. They brought up all these people on the stand. They'd be like, yo, he, he hit me with a gun too. Yeah. Mad people. He got a promotion. Wow. Because that's the, that's what they want you to do. Yeah. Hey, man, we're here to get convictions. We want the conviction rate up. Close cases. However you do that, that's your business. And if you do enough of it, you get a promotion. In 2002, the U.S. Supreme Court declared in Atkins versus Virginia, the execution of developmentally disabled to be an unconstitutional violation of the Eighth Amendment prohibition against cruel and unusual punishment. Based at least in part on the court's conclusion that, quote, mentally retarded defendants in the uh, in the aggregate face a special risk of wrongful execution because of the possibility that they will unwittingly confess to crimes that they did not commit. So, you know, that came over a decade too late for Barry. But, uh, yeah, going forward, if you don't meet a certain criteria to be considered fit to fit for execution, i.e. your IQ level, mm-hmm. you know, a psychologist coming in and, and evaluating you, if they go, yeah, this, this person has the brain of a six-year-old, you can't, you can't put them at strap them to a table and kill them. Yeah. It's just, it's cruel and unusual punishment. So that, that was made law in 2002. That's the story of Barry Lee Fairchild. It sounds like a wrongful execution to me. Yeah. And that's another, for now, unless I'm presented with some information that will change my mind because that's absolutely okay for people to do. Somebody can think one thing, be presented with information and then change their mind. But for now, I'm going to mark this another strike in the column for why I'm against the death penalty. Abolish the death penalty. How many people are you comfortable with being murdered in the pursuit of vengeance or whatever? You know, what what is that percentage to people? Are you cool with twenty five percent of the people that get executed being innocent people? That's the question you got to ask yourself. But for me, abolish the whole thing. What we're gonna do, friend? We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's your turn to tell us some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, welcome back. Uh, I'm guessing the theme of this episode is uh, wrong, wrongfully convicted. Um, is it? I think so. Okay. Because well, mine, my story is about uh, Lamonte McIntyre, who was wrong, wrongfully convicted of a double murder in Kansas City, Kansas, and who served 23 years mm. You know, before he was found, 23 not, years of your before life. He's found not guilty. Mm. <clears throat> So Donald Donald Ewing and, and and Daniel Quinn were sitting in a parked car in Hutchings Hutchings Street in Kansas City, Kansas, at two o'clock in the afternoon on April fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, when a black man dressed in all black walked down the hill of a vacant lot from the direction of the Huwatha Street and shot both men through the passenger side window with a twelve gauge shotgun. Oh, at least four people witnessed the shooting. The gunman then ran back over the hill and was observed by Breon Shelton getting into the passenger side of an older model four-door Chevrolet Capri 
Park and Hawatha Street. That sounds like a hit. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Quinn, who was sitting in the passenger seat, died immediately. And Donald Ewing, seated in the driver's seat, was pronounced dead later that afternoon at the hospital. Police canvassed the neighborhood for witnesses immediately after the murders. Several residents had observed the crime and had seen the killer from inside or near their homes. Ruby gave many and varied descriptions as well as a contra- contradictory identifications of the shooter, beginning with what she said to Detective uh, Kristalich when he interviewed her inside her home at 2.55 p.m. following the crime. This is Ruby. This is Ruby. I know uh, Ruby strikes me as a person. Furniture covered in plastic. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Smoking a cigarette. Yep. Let me tell you what happened. I saw the whole thing. It was crazy. Yep. Then Ruby said she had been standing at her front door and saw the shooter walk down the hill toward the victim's parked car, carrying a, sh- carrying a short brown-handled shotgun. Mm. She said he wore all black clothing and his hair was slicked back. Mm. She saw him pump the gun and shoot into the car and then walk back up the hill. Damn. When asked, did you see his face, she responded, well, he's brown-skinned. That's all I could tell. Yeah. That interview was recorded, but the statement was never uh, referenced at trial. Strange. Later that day, she contacted police to say that she knew who the, kill- who the shooter was, a young man named Lamonte, that she knew through his contact with her niece. Mm. Detective Gabolski picked up Ruby and drove her to the police station to assist um, in making a composite um, a composite like likeness of the shooter. Mm. After creating the composite, she identified the shooter from, from an array of five photos consisting of Lamonte McIntyre, a photo of his brother, a photo of his cousin, and two photos of other young, other young black men. So three people that look very much alike. Exactly. And then two randoms. Yep. For them to go, they, we need her to pick this person, yeah, because they all look alike, right? So we need somebody in that no variation, so, and like two of them name is Lamonte. <laughs> it's wild. Um, uh, yeah. So the photos did not include a photo of Lamonte. Lamonte Drain, the Lamonte who Ruby knew through his contact with her niece. Mm. So it's just another Lamonte. It's another person. Wow. The Lamonte who Ruby knew through his contact with her niece and had originally told police that she recognized as the shooter, it did not include any men with the with the slick back hairstyle Ruby described when she saw when she was uh, first interviewed. So just to be clear, mm-hmm. so it didn't inc- include the Lamonte that she's talking about or dudes who had that kind of hairstyle. It didn't include the, the uh yeah, yeah yeah right 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 right. So none of them had the slick back. So hair. It, it had. A Lamonte. Yeah. But not the Lamonte she's talking about. Right. Yep. Yeah. So Ruby don't know what the hell she's talking about, man. She always sitting out that window every day, being nosy. You know mm-hmm. how Ruby is. Always staring around, telling people where they can and can't park. You know, she go dick her spot, spot out. She thinks she can put chairs yeah, and cones, cones and, and shit, shit out you, there, Ruby, yeah. you can't do that, Ruby. This is street parking. Ruby, this is a public parking. <laughs> Everybody has to dig their car out, Ruby. Just because you dug yours out doesn't mean you own that spot. If right. there was no snow... You wouldn't own the spot, Ruby. Right. You can't do that. You can't just make up rules. Snitching on people and yeah, shit. Yeah, come on now. Um, at different times, Ruby described Shooter's hair as slick back um, as French braids, a style worn by Lamonte Drain at the time of the crime. It's like Bow Wow's. Is that Bow Wow's? Just, just, straight, just straight back. I'm just sure just straight back braids, like Kawhi, like Kawhi Leonard's hair. Mm. French braids? Oh, French. I thought French braids were the two on the side, like Snoop. Those gangsters. 
Mm, controversy. <laughs> I don't know, actually. Don't know, My mom wouldn't turn. let me get any of them. I, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> me mom, can I get some cornrows? <laughs> Fuck no. My dad was like, hell no. <laughs> My dad was like, hell no. Uh, yeah, uh, French braids, a style worn by Lamonte Drain. So this is who the Lamonte she's that had. She's, she was talking about at the time of the crime. And after viewing um, the photo as short on the sides and long on the top, the style worn by Lamonte McIntyre mm-hmm. in, in his photo. When asked at trial about the shooter's hair, she said she hadn't been paying attention to the hair, but instead focused on the shooter's face. Okay, they told Ruby to say that. Yes, indeed. I think so, too. An incredible claim since um, Centrion investigators dis- discovered she had viewed the shooting through a screen door and a screen in porch from a distance of a ho- of a hundred over 100 feet. So she was... You know, really inside of the house with that mesh screen with in front the mesh of the screen face. with the with a porch with another I'm guessing like screen around it oh, okay. or whatever oh, yeah. and, and 100 another 100 feet, feet. <laughs> Ruby you didn't see nothing you didn't see anything right blind as a bat yeah. later Ruby reported that um as Gabolski at Gabolski had driven her to the station on the day of the murder he made her very uncomfortable telling her she was pretty oh. that he likes to go out with black women and asking if she dates white men. Grabowski? This, this dude, Grabowski, was, this was this was his thing. Like, he was known to do stuff like this, to hit on yeah, I'm, I'm, black uh, yeah. uh, women, minority women. Oh, like specifically? To, yeah, to try to, to try to, you know, uh, try to get his have way. Have sex with them? Yeah, try to have sex with them and go and... Um, and then maybe later on, and get them to do what he wanted them to exactly. say if, in the trial. If they, don't, if they don't want to, then he will, you know, he will force, he will go... You know, I, then I'll put you in jail. Something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that's what you were this saying. Is, oh, oh yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, that's dark. Like, I thought you were saying he would try to go out with them as well, but also like smooth up to them so that he can go, no. how about you say you you didn't, the hair thing, stop saying the hair thing. No, no, no. It was like, oh, it's like, oh, I'm, I will I will make you yeah. give me what I want. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Or yes. I will put you in jail. Or yes. I will say Under the threat of, yes. Exactly. Yes. Yep. yes. So yeah, he asked her, did she date white men? His remarks made her feel nervous, vulnerable, and afraid that he was going to arrest her mm. for solicitation or offer her money for sex. She had reason to fear him and succumb to his influence in, in identifying Lamonte McIntyre as the shooter. She knew his reputation of intimidating black um, black women to elicit sexual acts under threat of arrest. Oh, so this dude had a rep. Like they yeah, knew this oh. was this is what he did all the time. Yeah. Wow. So police interviewed Nico Quinn three times. Detective Smith first interviewed her at 2.46 p.m. the day of the murders. She reported that she had seen the killer dressed in black with a shotgun in his hand, walk towards the victim's parked car, shoot the victims, then walk back up um, walk back up the hill toward Hawatha Street. Uh-huh. She was standing at a tree between Ruby, Ruby Mitchell's house and a vacant lot um, when she saw the crime. She had been on her way to her mother's house just past Ruby Mitchell's house. She said that she could recognize him if she saw him, if she saw him again. The next day, after Ruby Mitchell identified Lamonte McIntyre from the photo lineup, Detective Gabolski interviewed Nico at her home. He showed her the same five photo lineup that he had shown Ruby Mitchell when she chose Lamonte McIntyre as a shooter. According to Gabolski. So that's, that's two people. No, 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 no. Oh, does he show the same lineup that yeah, he showed Ruby? Yeah. And Ruby, when, when Ruby picked Lamonte yep. McIntyre. Yep. Got you. Um, so, look. Uh, yeah, so according to Gabolski's report, Nico said that she thought number three, Lamonte's photo, was the shooter, but she could not be sure. Mm. So sometime later, Nico contacted Det- Detective Gabolski saying she needed to meet with him again. 
and she had noticed two men on the vacant lot near her home and worried that they were connected to the murders. Gabowski said that um, he would help her move away and later did. They met at a high school, and this time she identified Lamonte McIntyre's photo as the shooter, mm, which is odd. Because after, after he helped her. Yep. Um, Gabowski did not. Um, that, see, that's why. That's It sounds like he is doing what I thought you were saying, yeah. but he also he did is, it to, yeah, is he did ass, it. assaulting these women and making them do sexual things as yeah, well. Yeah. But also he'd be like, you know, you do a little something for me, yeah. I do a little something for you. And you'd go ahead and say yeah, that true. this is the guy. Yeah, true. I just know because um, he I also did, was doing sexual stuff. He also, yeah. that, but he was mainly known to do hit on black women too. Yeah, to yeah, him. yeah. So Gabowski did not memorialize that meeting or identify or the identification in any way, and admitted that when he when questioned by attorney Long at trial, he also admitted that he did not mention it to anyone until he told ADA Moorhead about it sometime between prelim, prelim, preliminary hearing. Um, and the trial. Mm. So when Nico saw Lamonte McIntyre at the courthouse, she knew immediately that the man on trial, whom she had chosen from the photo, the photo lineup was not the shooter. So what do you even do? Right. Before she testified, she told ADA Moorhead twice that police had arrested the wrong man. Mm. Moorhead dismissed Nico's concern and threatened her with a contempt charge, jail, and losing her children if she did not testify as previously planned. So she was there as a witness. Mm-hmm. She sees him, mm-hmm. and she's but she and she's there to testify. Yep. And but so she, she goes, tried to say that's, that's not, not him. him. Yeah. And then they said, "Well, if you if you go up there and say that you lied, yep. we're gonna give you a perjury charge, yep. and you're gonna yeah. So yep. threaten them with the most crazy. You're gonna lose your kids. You yep. never work again. You're gonna go to jail for six years yeah, yeah. if you because you if you lied because that means you lied. You either lying today yeah. or you lied before. Yeah. But all these witnesses are. Are from a distance away, yeah, and then you giving them a lineup of of, of three of the of same three of the family members just yeah. alike, and you go and they go pick one. Then he see him in person, you go, that's wait, not that's him. not him. Yeah, like that's crazy. Um, so when Century on reinvestigated the crime years later, Nico revealed how police had intimidated and misled her when she first viewed the photo lineup, including saying that they had arrested the shooter and had the gun uh, when he did not have it. She also told of giving police an important lead on a nearby drug dealers who had a motive to harm um, Daniel and told them that he had recently been fighting. He had been beaten by men from a drug house where he had been staying and police never follow up on these leads. Really? That's a really big uh, piece of information yes. because it sounded like a hit. Yes. Somebody left a car, came to them, shot them in a car and then walked yeah. back and got in a car. Knew their exact location. That's I I came to kill who I came to kill. Yeah. What's naming them sitting up on this lot? I need you to do something for me. Yeah. It's not a random. That wasn't a random no. act of violence. <laughs> no. Um so Josephine lived directly across the street from the crime scene. She and her daughter Stacy were both home and witnessed the shooting. Josephine heard three or four shots as she walked out of her front door. Then she saw the murder the murderer pumped his gun, um, shot two more times, and ran oh. away. Josephine's daughter, Stacy, ran out of the house just before the shooting because she heard her mother and uncle arguing. When she stepped outside, she saw them in the middle of the street and also saw the shooter approaching the parked car where the victims were shot. When she saw the man approaching the car, she shouted at her mother to get, to get down after he shot out the windows. Stacy saw that her cousin was in the car, mm. and to her mother, it's little Don. Then ran to the car while her mother, Josephine, dialed 911. 
The next day, Detective Gabolski showed Josephine the five-photo lineup, but she could not identify any anyone in it as the shooter. She did tell Gabolski that her daughter knew the shooter. When trial began, Josephine went to the went to court to see if her testimony was needed. ADA Moorhead said it wasn't, so Josephine left. She saw Lamonte McIntyre um, in court that day. The next day, Josephine called Moorhead to ask if the man she had seen in the courtroom was accused. Moorhead said that he was, and Josephine told her that he could not be the shooter. The shooter had lighter skin, was shorter, and had a professional haircut. And I know him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, now this is like a total, this is a totally different person. Yeah. This is not even close to this. <laughs> uh, who was, was, Ruby said it was a dark skin. Yeah. Well, with, you know, with straight you know, backs. You know how Ruby is, man. Braids. And yeah. now Josephine's like, no, this, this is a light skin yeah, dude. Short, and he had fucking a, a buzz cut. I don't know, I guess. Um, so Moorhead dismissed her statement, saying that it was in the jury's hands now. Two years later, Joseph... That's crazy. Right. Two years later, Josephine gave attorney Mark Sash, Lamonte McIntyre's court-appointed attorney, for the motion for a new trial, an affidavit echoing what she had told Moorhead. She said she knew Lamonte McIntyre was not the killer because he was too tall, his skin was too dark, and his lips protruded too much. Also, Lamonte's fucking um, court-appointed lawyer was like was like under supervision because like he fucked up three trials before this. It was like, it's again, it's, we, we talked about something like this before. It was like, what the fuck am I, what am I supposed to do? I'm telling you the the legal system is a for-profit type of situation. If you can afford proper defense, it's a lot of cases that are beatable that a public defendant fumbling in with his briefcase. Papers and shit. It's like. Briefcase won't even close because the papers is coming oh seeping God. out of the sides. And you're like, this is who is in charge of my life. This is, my life is in this person's hands. I will probably fight that lawyer. I'll be like, why are you here? <laughs> F- wrong. You're on the wrong case. Yeah. Papers. It's Michael, right? What? No. My name is Steven. <laughs> and this is the first time I've even met you. We were supposed to have like a meeting before. We've never met before. You don't even like. How, I don't even know what, what what's the strategy here. Come in because he's napping in his car yeah. and shit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late, Your Honor. T- fixing the t- putting the tie in the tie as they like, walking down to I'm the- going to prison for life. Crazy, bro. This is a capital murder <laughs> charge, bro. And you don't have your other shoe on. And you're not prepared at all. <laughs> this is about murder. I'm yeah. going to I'm going to prison. They come up like this, the smack in the mic like this. Your Honor, um, I just want to say that my client takes care of his children and we don't think that the uh, price of his child support should be raised. Like I'm here on a... This is a murder case. What? Oh. Are you not Marcus? No. What is this? <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, it's, it's funny to laugh about, but, like, people that really is, are in those situations. That insane. happens to people. That is wild, man. Um, yeah, so Stacy, who had the best view of the shooter, did not testify at trial. She was never even interviewed by the police. Records say that she was not available, but she was known to have an ongoing sexual relationship with Detective Gabolski. She did testify at the post-conviction hearing of April 1996, describing the shooter in detail and saying that Lamonte McIntyre could not be the murderer because mm. he was too tall, his face was too long, and his lips were too big. Mm. She described his hairstyle as French braids, not the style worn by Lamont by Lamonte McIntyre at the time of at the time of the murder. Stacy also testified at the hearing that she had seen the real shooter twice since the murder and Lamonte's incarceration. That's big. Yes. So t- Stacey's testimony um, clearly exonerates Lamonte, but Judge uh, Burdett rejected it as not credible. 
Over the years, Stacy continued talking to people about the murder, including telling her sister Nico that a young man named Neil Edgar, also known as Monster, had been paid by Cecil Brooks to kill Daniel. Let me tell you like this. If your nickname <laughs> is Monster. Yeah. You need anybody to play with. And and they say, oh, he he was hired. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like the name of a hitman. Yes, absolutely. Monster? Yep. They called him. He's like, yeah, no, I just really like energy drinks. No. <laughs> this guy right. is about that life. Yeah. Yep. So Centrion founded, sorry, Centrion founder and investigator Jim um, McCloskey traveled to Kansas City seven times between May of 2009 and October 2010 to investigate Lamonte McIntyre's claim of innocence before committing to his case. His investigation included countless meetings and interviews with witnesses, family, and acquaintances of the victims of Lamonte um, of alternate suspects and the dis- disbarred attorneys who have represented Lamonte <laughs> as well as other mentions in those interviews. They better have been disbarred, especially yeah. the guy, whoever the fuck they had re- representing him. And so, so Centrion? That, yeah, Centrion, yeah. I have, see, that's what I'm, so that's what I mean where, like, them, I have to assume that the Innocence Project does just as much due diligence. Yeah. So, because I remember you asked me a while ago, I did a project, I mean, a story about some, somebody who was an Innocence Project case and, and you go, like, you got to be pretty. You must be pretty sure. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, like, what if on. they actually did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that's how they that they do that much work. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, if, if the person is lying, they got to be the one of the best liars of all time because yeah. they're going through this with a fine tooth comb to really see was this misjustice, right, right? Or are you just trying to hire better lawyers and you did it and you're just trying to get over on this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So whatever turns he had was disbarred and they did they did what they had to do all the interviews before he took on the job. So Jim Jim's investigation led him to interview Cecil Brooks in prison where he was serving time for second degree murder. So Cecil Brooks was the guy that hired Monster to to do that that killing. Oh wow. He was in, he was in jail. And he was in jail. Something separate. And, yeah, for second degree murder. Um so Jim's Jim's interview with Cecil confirmed what his investigation suggested. Monster, not Lamonte, was the killer. Centrion obtained a signed affidavit from Cecil Brooks wherein he provided a full account of the background and circumstances of the crime. He described Monster as a 15 to 16 year old. This is a young dude, man. And his name is Monster. So he already put his work in. Oh, my goodness. Early. Um, Yeah, so he described Monster as a 15 or 16 year old at the time of the murders. Definitely gave him immunity. Yep. who Who loved Brooks' cousin. The drug kingpin Aaron Robinson, and who would do anything for him. He explained that on the night before the murder, he had gone to Aaron's spot where Aaron, Monster, and a man named Marlon were talking about Daniel Quinn stealing drugs. Mm, okay. Monster was giving. He, he lived at the drug house. Yep. Got Monster was giving five hundred upfront to commit the murder. Five hundred dollars for a hit. Yeah, man. That's how much in life. Wow. Sixteen years old. He's like, shit. I need that. I need that. It, well, it's years. It's supposed to be it's ninety six. I can get a beeper with it's that. Ninety something. Well, it's, he's supposed to get more. This was five hundred up front. Up front. So, uh, monster was getting five hundred dollars up front to commit the murder, and was promised more that upon, was never paid upon completion. Yep. Fuck that. Yeah. All Wait. my shit right now. Yeah. Something like that. And he was a young dude, so he didn't know. Yeah. He didn't know. And he loved these people. Yeah, he looked up to that these dude. These are the people that you 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 emulate, yep. and they will. None of these people. I, uh, these people are not going to be there when you need commissary, when you need somebody. This dude told. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was Monster. Oh, yeah, Monster was like a son to my cousin. Yeah. So uh, it was him. Yep. His cousin is the kingpin leader. He's mm-hmm. like, man, I'm good. Yeah. 
I can snitch whoever the fuck I want to. Anybody can do it to me. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, he explained that Marlon had driven Monster to the area of the shooting. Oh, by the way, he did, like I said, he didn't get the rest of his money after he yeah. did this. Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Marlon drove, was, uh, had driven Monster to the area of the shooting mm-hmm. in Aaron's car and waited. Then out. drove him away. Then drove him away after the murders. Yep. Brooks said that in the affidavit that he knew Monster had also killed a white guy. Uh, so in July 12, twenty sixteen, Lamonte's local counsel hire, hired by Centurion filed a, a memorandum of fact and law in support of Lamonte's uh, motion to vacate, set aside, or correct sentence. Brooks' affidavit, um, the Quinn sisters' affidavits. And over 40 more obtained through our investigation mm. were part of the motion, which detailed recanted uh, testimony and disproved evidence against Lamonte McIntyre. Three other compelling affidavits Centrion obtained that were included in the motion made clear to extent of errors and deficiencies in the police investigation. How much shit you got to do to That's crazy, to reverse man. of such a crazy decision in your life? Yep. Bro. Um. So, uh, so a retired Kansas City Police Department. Uh, Detective Randy Eskina, who cited deficiencies in investigation that spanned several categories, resulting in reaching of a premature and unsupported investigative conclusion so that potentially uh, valuable evidence was never gathered at the, the, um, the, at, and the entirety of the state's case rested on two dubious eyewitnesses whose accounts were filled with um, discrepancies. So also they never got DNA evidence, obviously. Yeah. Um, to even to try to figure out if he actually did it or who did it. Right. Um, Ronald Singer, a qualified. They just went off of a photo lineup yeah, yeah. ID, right? Yep. That's, I mean, that's, that's the only it. thing you've presented to me. That was it. Wow. That was it. Wow. Uh, Ronald Singer, a qualified forensic expert, saying, in my opinion, because Mr. McIntyre was initially linked to the scene only through eyewitness testimony, it was essential that through evaluation of physical evidence available available be conducted in order to support or refute the eyewitness testimony fail to do so potentially hampered Mr. McIntyre's ability to prepare an an adequate defense and having an inadequate defense attorney as well would do that. So the deck was stacked against him from the beginning. And that's just when you, it's so unfortunate though. It's like, but it's like, again, you go, what else? I'm in here for, I, I didn't do it. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? And just you, sit here and fucking just keep saying I'm innocent. But that's what your counsel, your counsel, even even in the worst situation, you got the worst public defender in the world. They're gonna tell you, "Hey man, listen, I'm a better option than you going up there and saying what you think the truth is. So just sit back, don't say anything, and let me handle this." Uh, so a retired FBI agent, um, recalling that when he conducted interviews in the um, wine wine dot County Jail in nineteen in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties. Kabolski was a well known detective who used the authority of his position to extort sexual favors from black females. God, the man. women complied with his demands because they knew that he would that he would be um that they would be arrested if they said no. Um, He's been doing this for years. Yeah, man. Uh, So there was a hearing on October 12th of 2016 on the motion was convened in Wyatt County District Court. Family members of the victims who believe the Monte McIntyre was. So the family of the the victims that was killed was saying that is not the guy. Oh, wow. Because by by now it's been years. The whole neighborhood knows who did this. And that dude's still walking around. He's still walking around and they're not getting any closure. And they're like, that's not him. Yeah. Like, 
Got a monster just walking around drinking fucking monster drinks or whatever. Telling stories. Telling stories and shit. And so I killed the shit out of them, man. Just That's why free. they call me monster. Yep, just walking free. Uh, so Lamonte McIntyre was innocent. So the family members of the victims were who believed Lamonte McIntyre was innocent were among the first to testify. On the second day of hearing, after the lunch recess, District Attorney Dupree asked Senior District Judge Edward um, um, Bowker to vacate McIntyre's conviction. He did, and Dupree dismissed the charges. The judge said his action was to correct a gross injustice but did not admit any misconduct on the part of Burdett, Moorhead, and Gabolski. Of course they, of course they didn't. Um, it's like they, it's like they'll just like let you out after twenty years, not say so- not sorry, not that they're nothing. sorry, not that they're sorry can absolve because that wasn't even the maybe that wasn't even the judge that that gave you the sentence. Yeah, yeah. But just something to say. Listen, this state took twenty years of your life. We fucked up. I just want to say sorry on behalf. They, they, just this, tell me this guy up. was corrupt. Nothing. They're not addressing any of that. Just tell me y'all fucked up. That's all you gotta tell me. And, I, and I'll be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I fucked up. I'll rub it in your face and then I'm going to see. In October 2018, Lamont, Lamonte filed a federal civil rights suit against Kabolski and eight other police officers. In March 2019, he filed for state compensation for wrongful incarceration. Metropolitan. And the pandemic hit. Price didn't get that money. Yeah. Metropolitan Community College in Kansas City, Missouri, awarded Lamonte a full scholarship to attend college at their Penny Valley campus. Lamonte is part owner of a barber school he graduated from and has opened a second location in Kansas City, Missouri. He is also um, a board member of Miracle and Miracle of Innocence, a uh, innocence organization founded by fellow Centurion exoneree wow. Daryl Burton. And Lamonte will finish his BA degree in business administration in 2019. Do your thing, yeah, man. There was a guy. The podcast that this is. There was a guy on there who was an FBI detective, but he was. His job was to investigate um, misconduct, and he was and the guy that was doing the interview. He was like, "I know that's like a hard job because like that means none of them like you." Yeah, you're the enemy. And he was like, "You're the enemy." He was like, "And I know that's tough because it's like kind of like your life on the line because those people they back up each other." And he was just like, he back couldn't you go. Up. He couldn't. It was the one place he, he was like. Only time I went down there is when I had my a partner with me because I. They, he was like they would try to pull me over and if he had his badge or his gun or whatever they would like. They would, they would try to say, I pulled my gun, and they would try to kill me. So it was oh, like, wow. the job he had, I was like, that's fucking probably terrifying. To be like, you're like, but it you're, under, be. you're under the same umbrella, but you're like, not? Yeah. Like, no, I'm not with you guys. That like, that's fucking, I was like, that's crazy. But um, also it says in 32 states, the government compensates innocent people for the time they spent in prison. And Kansas is not one of them. Yep. So that lawsuit so, probably won't be leading anywhere too won't. fruitful. Yeah. Yep. Wow. But shout out to um, So you just get a whoops. And not even a not even a my bad. Man. You don't even really get a my bad. Twenty three years. All that shit. You I mean, you get free, yes, you get your life back. And it's like You shouldn't have to get your life back and yeah, that's you, the thing. After like, twenty three years. For that to be your reward is like, hey man, freedom. Yeah. Congratulations. And it's like, I can't even I can't even sue y'all. Yeah. That's no compensation. Fuck? Not that compensation would even. But still, though. But the fact that they're just like, well, in this state, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. We fuck up. That's just, it, yeah. it happens. Just do it. They just do it all the time over there. Yeah, for sure. It happens so much that they had to take it out of, the, they would never make it a law. Like, yeah. Oh, no. We'd be losing money all the time. Yeah. That's what happens um, in New York and Baltimore and probably a couple other states, too. The poli- police. 
interactions that go wrong cost hundreds of millions of dollars in tax money mm-hmm. because they don't have to pay out of their they don't pay out of their like um annuity or anything like that like the state pays for that yeah so if you beat me over the head with your baton i sue the i sue the city they pay mm. me the taxpayers pay me in my lawsuit wow so they those those lawsuits cost millions of dollars in like um state and city revenue every year but what i would love is um i need to start looking into this cuz i'm sure they i'm sure um somebody from the innocence project or maybe somebody from um centrion this guy um, have done a thing where I would love to know because the work that they do is incredible. Yeah. I would love to know a dollar amount. Like if they go, if the, if somebody was paying me to do the amount of like this guy had to come, travel. fucking do travel, yeah. do his background check to make sure he's good. Yeah, that's a lot of reading, a lot of asking for files. Then you got to file all these requests and all this stuff. I would love to know a dollar amount of how much a, a defense at that level costs. I bet it's I bet it's close to six figures, and and also it'd be twenty years after the crime has happened. That's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, so I would love to know, like, 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 because it it would really shed a light on if what's this guy's name again? Sorry, Lamonte McIntyre. If Lamonte McIntyre in nineteen ninety six, how much money would Lamonte McIntyre have needed to get that lawyer then? And I bet it's a, like an astronomical amount of money that he never would have. I mean, six, was he, he was how, he was sixteen. He was, how old was he? He was a kid, right? I think he was a kid. Yeah, he was a, he was a young. He was young. He wasn't an, an an adult man who worked had a career. Yeah. And they go, yeah, well, a good lawyer, you're gonna need about fifty thousand dollars. Shit. Up front. It's like, well, Didn't then I'm going. Finance? I guess I'm going to jail. I guess finance with what? What? What credit? <laughs> no credit history. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's just an impossible thing you're asking that's me. You know. So can you do this pro bono? Oh no, we don't do that. Sorry, um, I need a twenty thousand dollar retainer, and then me getting to work, I I get paid about five hundred dollars an hour. Damn, lawyers get paid. Lawyers get fucking paid, bro. A good one. Yeah. But if you're good, you're good. But it's crazy that how much of the gap is between a good lawyer from a private practice and somebody who's a public defender who get like, oh, I get forty cases a, a week. I'll represent myself. That was that, that. That was a great story, man. That was um. Yeah, man, that, that was wild. But, prayers uh, to hell, man. Kansas got it rough. You just can't even. No justice, huh? Not this. Yeah, jeez. All right, man. Let's go ahead and get into these good vibes. Good, 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 good Who's it on me or you, Frank? It's Michael. I go first. Okay. Um, welcome to our good vibe segment. Yes. My favorite good vibe. Uh, my favorite part of the show. Sometimes at one point <laughs> I wanted to like switch it up and be the person that does like stories that should be good vibe, but I turn it and be like, it's not really a good vibe. But I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Being a you know good old classic <laughs> pessimist friend. You know, like, yeah. yeah. Let me uh, tell you why this isn't great. Right. Right. Uh, this one is kind of like that. Okay. In my <laughs> so, opinion. So, go for it. And in, uh, this, so this was an eager penguin leaped into a tourist boat and stayed on board for 10 minutes to enjoy the above water view the, with the other passengers. Okay. Polar guy John um, Bozvanov was leading a tour through Antarctica's Rose Sea when a sole chin strap penguin made a couple of attempts to jump on board his Zodiac vessel. 
The 30 year old cut off the engine to make it easier for the animal to make the leap. And it finally and and it finally landing um, successfully on the side of the boat next to one of the passengers. The speculation is that the penguin the penguin was possibly trying to avoid predator in the water. Mm, that happens. See that now that is the problem, Mr. That penguin. Not geo stuff, Mr. Mr. Penguin, uh, Mr. Happy Feet. I don't want you jumping up on my boat. I don't, I don't want that. Okay. Because if that seal or whatever's under that water, now that jumps on the boat. And we all got to go. Now you're bringing your problems to my See, doorstep. I don't want those problems, Mr. Penguin. I'm got sorry. It. I'm here. I'm just trying you to enjoy to my go. vacation. You got to go. <laughs> Fuck cutting the engine off. I'm cutting it back on and I'm speeding up a little bit. Saying sorry. You need to hop on That's one nature. These, hop on one of these That's ice, just... ice blocks and go by your business. Yeah, man. It's like that penguin. It's like that penguin never seen Final Destination. You yeah. can't avoid death. Then you start a whole cyclical spiral where death is now hunting you and your friends nah. and it's going to come back around. It's going to catch all of y'all eventually. Nah. You can't evade death today and then expect the death not to come back around. Yeah. We you saw make, that in Final Destination 2. You're making it hot. Yeah. I don't I don't want, don't bring your problems. Don't bring your sea problems on my boat. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't want it. I, it's a good vibe. It's cute. I yeah. get it. Nah, dog. I, no. I, don't, I don't want that on my boat. Sorry. No, nah, don't bring that shit on here, man. This is an A and B nah. boat. You need to see your way back into the ocean. Yep. I get that. I respect yeah. that. And I can see how you can find the angle on that. Because yeah. if I'm going, I'm just trying to have a good time, and I'm on my boat. We got the boat with the the, 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 the bottom of the boat. is You can see through it. Yeah. That's where I want to see the penguins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living their life yep. in the water. Yeah. Getting chased by seals yeah, and whales. Oh, it's crazy. Shit. Nature. Oh. That's how you come I go, your, You come up on our boat. If this boat wasn't here, what would you have done? That's right. how you got to continue to live your life, Mr. Penguin. Yeah. I'm, I wasn't. Room. I'm not here out here to help you. Yeah, that's 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 not how this goes out here. No. Um. Uh. My uh. Good vibes is um. Very similar. It's in the same vein as uh last episode. I believe I did a story about um psilocybin and they're doing working on some trials where you can get the benefits of psilocybin without the trip from oh, mushrooms yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. This is a, a story about a phase three trial of the drug MDMA is being used for therapy for uh, severe PTSD uh, survivors. It's so successful that 67% of the people who use it don't qualify for diagnosis now. 67% of the people after using MDMA don't qualify as having PTSD anymore. Oh, shit. So anyway, a breakthrough human trial achieved highly statistical, statistically significant results and an excellent safety record demonstrating that MDMA-assisted therapy can be an effective treatment for severe and chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. At the end of the randomized blind phase three trial carried out by a nonprofit multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies, also known as MAPS, 67% of the participants who received three MDMA-assisted therapy sessions no longer even qualified for a PTSD diagnosis, and 88% experienced a clinically meaningful reduction in symptoms. A pivotal study treated 90 patients with severe chronic PTSD from any cause with an average duration of 14 years and replicated the successful results of its phase two trials. Study participants included patients that patients with PTSD caused by combat related events, which is a lot of people that are on the streets suffer from this. A lot of people who are without homes right now are people who served this country and fought the wars that they didn't even get told what they were even fighting against. Just yeah. for, got sent over there with a gun in their hand. Those are the kind of people that suffer from PTSD. So those kind of people, people who have been in accidents, who've been abused, had sexual harm, and 84% of the, uh, 84% have a history of developmental trauma. Uh, 
This is a quote. While many forms of PTSD therapy involve recalling previous trauma, the unique ability of MDMA to raise compassion and understanding while tamping down fear is likely what enables it to be so effective. This is according to Jennifer Mitchell, the PhD lead author of the paper. Uh, the peer-reviewed paper was published in Nature Medicine on May 10th of this year. In the first phase three trial of any psychedelic-assisted therapy, participants who received the MDMA plus manual therapy reported a significant reduction in PTSD symptoms uh, compared to those who received placebo with the therapy. 67% of the group who received MDMA compared to 32% of the group who received placebo no longer qualified for PTSD diagnosis after three treatment sessions. In addition, participants treated with MDMA-assisted therapy had statistically significant reductions for symptoms like depression relative to the placebo with therapy. Uh, people with the most difficult-to-treat diagnosis, often considered intractable, respond just as well to this novel treatment as other study participants, according to Mitchell. In fact, participants diagnosed with disassociative subtype of PTSD experienced a greater reduction in symptoms than those without the disassociative type. So it goes on. It's a whole thing. But um, I just thought this was very beautiful. Also, shout out to um, there's there's a there's a different school. I mean, you know, people who abuse Molly and MDMA um, on their own terms, you know, it can have negative side effects. I've done MDMA twice in my life um, and they were very fun times. I was at a music festival. I was it was it was a July. I had on very short shorts, no shirt and an Aztec cardigan sweater. Um, the, 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 the D I don't know if it's a DJ or a group, but there's like this electronic band or whatever called big gigantic and they were playing music and what the, all that kind of shit, all that type of shit. And then every time the beat would drop, it's like I'm in a sea of like 20,000 people. And whenever the beat would drop, everybody would throw glow sticks into the air. It's the nighttime sky. The breeze is hitting me beautifully. And then I'm on it. I'm on Molly. The festival just boom. It ends at like 10 o'clock. They're like, everybody's got to go home. And me and two of my friends, we walked back. We had to walk the long way to the car, past the cornfield. And I'm 90% sure I saw aliens. Sure, yeah. So that's yeah. that's the kind of experiences that can they can just opens you up to oh, be. Oh, delusion. No, just like, ex, just just open. Just being mm. open to sure. all the possibilities. Gotcha. So, yeah. So just, you know, shout out to experimenting, man. You only live once, man. Just like, you know, live your best life. Have fun. Fucking. Make mistakes, learn from them, grow from them. <laughs> yeah. Life's life's great, man. <laughs> I don't know about that. Sometimes life is just you being in a field with an Aztec sweater on, little shorts, and, and you know, covered in sweat. And that's yeah. just that's just Ugh. life sometimes. Um, before we get out of here, friend, uh, in TV in TV news, yeah, um, the Friends reunion is happening or happened or something like that. So yeah, you're telling me because of oh, I don't you don't watch Friends. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 me either. Uh, I, uh, only reason I will watch Friends is because Jennifer Aniston. That will be the only reason. Jennifer Aniston is Jennifer to Aniston. Watch Friends. Jennifer Aniston is something to marvel at. But um, no, I don't. I also don't watch Friends. Friends is actually a ripoff of Living Single. This is just this is just a pure fact. Living yeah. Single came first. There was you know however many people in Friends. There were that many people in Living Single living in New York. There was roommates. There was a yep. hippie friend. Um, I think her name was Regine. Mm -hmm. uh, they just really took the whole formula, and I think that they thought quote unquote mainstream America 
wouldn't watch a show about six black people living in New York. So they were like, let's just let's do this, but with these white, people. White people. Yeah, and that that was what friends became. Mm-hmm. And um I really think people are ba- like people base so much of friends like they have, their personality is based on friends. And it's like I've given it a chance and it's just not that funny. It's not. Seinfeld is a superiorly better show. Yeah. I like King of Queens better than Friends. Me too. I I think that it was I think that Friends is just indicative of a very specific pop culture time like a very specific moment in time that people really want to relate to and hold on to mm-hmm. but like the show isn't that funny yeah for them to need a reunion yeah you know no thank you speaking of reunions man that's mm-hmm. i was actually thinking about this when the when i saw this because it's like friends reunion yeah if you could have a reunion of friends that mm-hmm. you've had in your life yeah what who are who would some of those people like who are some some people you know i mean you, you can name names nobody knows who they are yeah, but like yeah. who are some people that you would have for your reunion of friends, like friends that you that you haven't seen them in a long time, you haven't seen them since you were a kid. Like, who would be at your friend's reunion? At my friend's reunion, um, it's all guys. Just the guys. You'll be happy. You want girls? Um, it'd be all guys. So you talking about people I don't talk to? That's, I mean, that's what that's what I was. That's what you yeah, did? I was. Okay. I meant more of like a thing that's like, oh, oh, I don't even know. I haven't oh, talked to this shit. person in twenty. Like. Just like a childhood friend. That's why I was saying you can name the names or not, because like you could just say like my friend from when I was six, or you know, you know, any kind of thing like that. You know, that would be. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Remember. I wouldn't. I don't have any desire to talk to those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for yeah. me, for and my me, guy Henry would be there, of course. But yeah. th- these are people I. I hey, they're still I talk cool. To. Yeah, for sure. Uh, people from then, I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't give a shit about but these that's people. A, that's it brought my mind to it because friends came out in 1996 or something like that maybe those people still kept in touch with each other or whatever but like it's been it's been fucking almost 30 Uh years man like whatever for me when you talk about i i moved around a lot as a kid so i have i've only had like a hand i could count on my hand how many like like formative friends i've had yeah like you would be on that list I had a friend named devin when i was eight that was like my best friend when i was eight oh he looks like the guy from um by the bell. Yeah, AC Slater. Yeah, he does favorite. <laughs> he does favorite AC Slater. Yes. So uh, he would be on there. Um, I was friends with this kid Caesar in third grade when I lived in Las Vegas. Um, and then also I would have. I told a story on here before. Uh, there was a young lady named her name was Kylie. I don't remember her last name because it's been a long time. But uh, she stated her affections for me publicly in the third grade on my last day of school in Las Vegas. You have to be kidding. And then. Um, she rescinded those feelings no longer than 20 seconds after that. I would love to have a reunion. I would love to have her at the reunion as well. Mm-hmm. And then I would have Sierra uh, fight her to defend my honor. Yeah, That would be a part of my whole reunion extravaganza. I would need my honor defended against this person. No matter, I'm sure they have kids and a whole life. Yeah, I don't care. You slighted me. And so my fiance will defend my honor. One night, catch up. Who will be at your friend's reunion? Yeah, because yeah. fuck that show, Friends, man. Yeah. I was just not really, didn't really love it. Uh, before we get out of here. Friend- Recommendations. Oh, y'all. I got one. Oh. I oh, saw, cool. I recently watched uh, Lady in the Window. Did you see that? Lady in the Window? Yeah. No, I never. Is, is Daniel Radcliffe in that? I don't know who that is, man. The guy's yeah. Harry Potter. No, he's not in that. Lady in the Window? Is it a La- horror movie? No, it's like I think it was like based on true stories. Like, Make sure that add to my add that to my list. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, last night I watched Army of the Dead. It's the new Zack Snyder zombie movie that came out over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Really fucking good movie, man. Mm. Like 
really good, like surprising because if you watch the trailer for it, it looks all silly and CGI and the zombies are smart and you're like, this shit looks goofy. And Dave Dave Batista's in it, like mm-hmm. the wrestler, mm-hmm. and he's been in some. He's he plays uh, Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the big guy, the big guy, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but he's funny. But I, he he was great in this movie. Like yeah. it's he has the same kind of charisma that the Rock has, mm. where it's just like say the right thing at the right time, yeah. funny action. You're good at fighting, whatever, all that stuff. And it just hit all the right beats. Like, I was really surprised at how much I liked it. I still think Dawn of the Dead, which is the first Zachary Snyder, Zack Snyder uh, zombie movie that I saw, and I think mm. it's the, the, the first movie that he did, I think that movie's great. It's got Ving Rhames in it. It's a fantastic zombie movie. This one is just different in all the best kind of what ways. What is it called? Uh, Army of the Dead. It's a great movie. I recommend mm. it to everybody. It's very surprising. Again, you're going to watch the trailer, and you're going to go, this looks like a bunch of cheesy bullshit. But it's so surprisingly good. You'd be surprised at how much you like it, man, for sure. I definitely really had a good time watching Army of the Dead. It's a fun watch, but it's also, like, good. So, uh, yeah, that's my recommendation. I got a question. How do you just – is it something that when you pick the watch stuff, do you, or do you just go, I'm just getting this a try? Well, that movie like, had hype, you, though. That's one of the movies that okay, when you go on Netflix, about, the trailer's already on when you open it up. Oh, but I'm but, talking about any other thing, though. Um, like, what do you go? You go, I'm just I'm going to just see what the hot is. Because well, some movie you'll come over here like, that movie was trapped, and, like, I've – like, I've never heard anybody talk about it other than you, but yeah. you go like that's that movie was ass. It's like what what makes well, you go? Uh, and what, do you just actors, try them out? Or yeah, actors. Oh, okay. uh, you know, because look, you only know like five actors. I know if that, if that. <laughs> by name maybe three. <laughs> I know you know more by face. You're like that's that guy. Yeah, I know. Right. I don't even know how many actors I know. Yeah. So if I and I know I I know actors' faces, but also know who I think is good and things like that. Yeah. So if I see a person that I I I think is good mm-hmm. and a, and I see a trailer or or a title when I'm going through Netflix, I go, oh, I want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Now sometimes it's like that guy was good, but the movie sucked. Yeah. Like that guy can act, but the movie sucked. Yeah. That lady can act, but the movie sucked. So I'll give stuff a try based on that kind of stuff, but also um. I'm a sheep, so I'll go on Rotten Tomatoes, and if it has a high Rotten Tomatoes score, I'll add it to my list, and I'll check it out. Like I'll, I'll check out a movie if it's critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. you know. But it's rare that I watch a movie that's doesn't that's like, oh, it says thirty seven percent, and just like for my own and just make my own uh, assumption about it. Yeah, that's rare. I'd have to hear somebody that I trust their opinion go, listen, fuck what the critics said. Mm-hmm. That movie's great. You know what I mean? Like, because there's movies like that. There's some movies that just Rotten Tomatoes is like, this movie's dog shit. Yeah. Like me, I love Pootie Tang. (laughs) (laughs) I think Pootie Tang is a great movie. It's so funny and just absurd and ridiculous. I I love it. I think it's a a hilarious movie. I also watched it when I was like eight, so it's got that kind of thing to it. Yeah. Like, I brought up a thing. I don't know if we did it on the podcast or if I put a, a meme up or something. But, oh, I owe you $20. What? Napoleon Dynamite takes place in uh, in Iowa or wherever you said. Uh, oh, so yeah. I do owe you money for that. Wait, it popped but, up in a movie? Yeah, they they bring it up in a scene. People people messaged, people wrote for you. They were like, hey, man, so here at this, in, on the driver's license? It was a bunch of shit like that. But anyway, there are people who were like, I've never seen that movie. Yeah. Or like, I watched that movie last year, and it sucked. And it's one of those kind of things where it's like, if you Pootie don't Tang, watch... Na- you just talking about just I'm talking about Napoleon Dynamite right oh, now. Oh, okay. I'm saying... Like Pootie Tang, yeah. I don't. There are people if you watch Napoleon Dynamite now, mm-hmm. never with no context, you'd be like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah. But if you watched Napoleon Dynamite 
in 2006 when that shit came out yeah. and was on every on fire. Yeah. And that's when you watch Napoleon Dynamite. If you watch Napoleon Dynamite right now, you'll laugh the whole fucking movie. Yeah. But you can't watch it in 2021 for the first time. You won't get it. You just you had to be there. Yeah. It's one of, and that might be why, what I'm saying is there are some movies like that for me where it's like I still love some movies even though I know that critically they're they're people say they're shit. Mm-hmm. But I love Pootie Tang. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm sure Pootie Tang is like 26%. Yeah. I love uh what's that movie um what's the pimp? The, the pimp the in the pimp. movie. He got the afro. <laughs> Oh, Leon Phelps, the ladies' That's man. That's my shit. Again, a movie. <laughs> that, that movie, movie probably is like a, a, a 12% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. I love it, though. But it's a funny movie, man. Yeah. Uh, can I get this in your deepest brown? Yeah. You know, he's like a, a chocolate brown suit. It's just it's some movies that are just, um, oh, your, your criteria is different. Yeah. But, but it's always based on who is in it for well, me. Who do you think is, that movie's ridiculous, man. But it's ridiculous it's in the but best way, man. It's, it's got you be. better sign your pity on the runny kind. It's like, what? <laughs> he has a belt that... It wraps Fucks around his. <laughs> he whips it and it wraps belt, it, it wraps the rack around his waist. <laughs> That's insane. Who that came bo- up with that movie? Uh, uh, a guy who's canceled and uh, Chris mm. Rock. What he racist? <laughs> uh, creeper, a creepy oh, guy. Okay. Um, but uh, not surprised. <laughs> yeah, that's, you can just tell by what's on the screen. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francois Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park